KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, and KSCF in Fresno. Stay tuned for Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the Today is Tuesday, January the 8th, by golly, 2008. And the electoral politics is overwhelming everywhere I go. I'm trying to get away from it, trying not to think too much about it all. Oh, it's going to go on and on. This whole year is going to drive us up the wall, but let's face it, it's serious, folks. This business of leaders, it is serious. In an effort to escape from our own scene, I turned on the television and watched a movie called The Last King of Scotland. I'm so sorry that I did that. Ah, uh, history happens, right. It's a movie about Idi Amin and Forrest Whitaker got an Oscar for his role as Idi Amin, and I kind of felt it was my duty to watch. It was absolutely, absolutely a stunner. At the same time, I hardly can recommend it. The movie uh, had such horrific images, I think, I, I'm not sure I can say they're the worst things I've ever seen on a screen. But perhaps, yes, they were god-awful. Uh, they were, of course, images of the uh, tortured bodies, uh, the victims, uh, Idi Amin's uh, sadistic experiments. Um, I... I've tried to blink most of them away. I just wish I hadn't watched it. I don't think that I need to watch films like that anymore. And I, I, I guess I understand the reasons why sometimes such things need to be on film. Uh, and of course, I think Forrest Whitaker deserved his award. But can it be a good idea to, to recreate these things on film? I, I sat there thinking that uh, my own bias, my deepest instinct is that no woman, no woman could ever be so sadistic, so evil, or could she? Yeah, we're up against that woman question again this year. I, uh, I don't know, um... It's probably 
It's probably true. It's probably true that women have the capacity uh, to be as vicious and sadistic as a male. I suppose so. Uh, if uh, if I'm going to insist that women are not um, trivial, not uh, <laughs> not unimportant, it's so difficult. Such contradictions. Uh, Last week I was muttering about being one of Hillary Clinton's Hellcats and I got a few notes in the mail telling me that that was uh, foolish and that I'm not supposed to uh, uh, reveal um, my preferences or um, my uh, affiliations. Um, actually, I don't think I'm even a registered Democrat anymore, but uh, I only wanted to fill in some of the background. Uh, last week I was reading about um, Barack Obama because I see some changes, some political political uh, winds. The uh, bellwether has changed. Uh, years ago, I remember trying to be so cheerful and lighthearted about women in politics. That was when I thought it was so important to be non-threatening, as Virginia Woolf would say. Don't be shrill, you know. Be charming and funny. Uh, I found an article written a quarter of a century ago about Geraldine Ferraro. Oh, yes, Geraldine Ferraro. 1984. Oh, how I love Geraldine Ferraro. Uh... I remember one of the delegates to the convention, she said, uh, it seems theological, this event, that is, Ferraro becoming the vice presidential candidate for the Democratic Party. Ah, uh, yes. This is the way the world was meant to look, and it has taken so long... <laughs> I noticed at the time that the men loved Geraldine Ferraro. The guys at the convention just fell all over her. She was so cute, you know. I remember there were drunks in the bars telling me that everything's going to be all right now. The men and the women are going to get back together and going to get over this uh, feminist nonsense. Jerry, they told me, Jerry will give them a break. Bring a little love back into their lives. That's the myth of the compassionate mother. You know that one. The mom at the top. And she was an Italian Catholic mom at that. She's bound to be less demanding than dad. And some of these guys seem to imagine she'll cut them a little slack. <laughs> Hell, she just might, yes. I watched Hillary last night. And uh, it does seem... That she's vulnerable. She, she cracked. She choked up. Uh, I guess, I guess some people will say that she's a great actress and she did it to, uh, to prove that she was human. I think it was probably genuine. I keep thinking of, uh, <laughs> Sally Fields, yes. You like me. You really like me. And poor Hillary was told by the pundits, yes, that uh, she was not liked, you know, liked, but not well-liked. Um, she, 
She was not liked the way Obama is um, liked. She said that hurt her feelings, but that she would go on. I, I'm not sure uh, how I feel about all that. It is what the BBC calls something of a soap opera. Uh, this stuff is serious at the same time. Um, sometimes it seems like such nonsense. Uh, women kind of blur the distinctions between themselves and other people. Uh, they're not quite sure where they end. And the other people begin, uh, we call that this compassion factor. You know, uh, Hillary seems to feel uh, the world pain, uh, pain of the children, that kind of thing. Her beautiful daughter, Chelsea, was there in the background, uh, Bill Clinton, looking grim. I remember in the old days, we used to analyze these women, Golda Meir. She thought that Israel was just her family, her children. She ran the state like it was a mom and pop shop. And there was that other good woman, Maggie Thatcher, you remember. <laughs> she ran Britain like a mad dog Englishman going out in the noonday sun. She was more Spartan uh, than British, but definitely a mum all the same, yes. Stern, like a nanny. Americans are starved for love. They want to love their leaders. Uh, I remember Ms. Ferraro, Jerry Ferraro, uh, she was out to meet the needs of the people who hunger for soap opera, people desperate for signs of life and vitality in a country that seems to grow more heartless every day. <laughs> well, uh, actually, our heart is a hallmark card these days. We have the tackiest, uh, tackiest sentimentality. Uh, but actually, a quarter of a century ago, Geraldine Ferraro was romantic. It's a curious that feminism back then was uh, definitely romantic. It had a Victorian quality. Uh, I remember thinking how romantic it was. It lifted us up out of the uh, gray gloom of the 50s. Uh, I remember discovering that the Bronte sisters were these ferocious feminists. <laughs> anyway, Geraldine Ferraro was a hero in the best 19th century tradition. She was a scene stealer. She upstaged Ronnie Reagan. Uh, Reagan responded by dismissing her as a Jerry-come-lately he said, she shoots from the lip. I think it was true that she was more symbol than substance, but politics itself is mostly symbols. The symbolic tradition of the left, well, the Democratic Party, is basically just a stay of execution. You know, they won't kill all the children before lunch. The right, the Republican Party, so-called, uh, uh, their symbol, well, they, they um, 
yes, they have a license to kill, I think. Uh, the people flip a coin every four years. Uh, I don't know whether we can still use the terms right and left about our political parties. Anyway, back then, Ferraro looked to me like a winner. Uh, I remember everybody saying that uh, she might spoil the party, you know. Feminists were no fun. The polls were out there measuring the uppity factor and the compassion factor. Compassion's okay, you know. Uh, what they didn't want was the castration factor or the momism factor. Philip Wiley, uh, in a book called Generation of Vipers, had uh, demonized mothers. Uh, uppity can be fixed if women will talk softly and carry a lipstick. Now, that cosmetic factor, I remember, uh, I remember Geraldine Ferraro's hair was not quite as nature left it. It was frosted. But she talked about that. Reagan didn't. Only his hairdresser knows for sure. Uh, Hillary was asked who does her hair. That's when she choked up and kind of broke down because she didn't want to be asked such trivial questions. Uh, me, I'm interested in the future factor the way Hillary is. Uh, this is our country. These are these are our lives, people. It's not a game, yes. I wonder... Uh, I wonder what Hillary really knows. Um, Reagan said that Geraldine Ferraro didn't know a thing. <laughs> she knew Tip O'Neill. Anyway, I think that Hillary Clinton can consolidate power. She does seem to be able to get along with people that she once fought with. Uh, Ferraro tried to placate a few, oh, Uncle Tom's and Aunt Jemima's. Um, I think that these women will work for the future if they get a chance. Uh, anyway, one thing's for certain. Uh, it's been a giant step for men. Uh, Twenty-five years is a long time. Males may be justified in imagining that if they share power with women, that these women may just seize the power and go right on it, go right on and abuse it. God knows, uh, <laughs> Hillary tried. She failed to abuse the power. She didn't get her health care plan, you remember. Uh, what's fun to realize is that some of the males are getting used to the idea. Some even seem relieved. Cheers them up. Nobody wants to be the bad guy forever, you know. Uh, I, I looked through my articles from 1984. They were written for, published in Plexus Magazine, a little women's magazine newspaper that we published here in Northern California back a quarter of a century ago. And, uh, I don't see much difference in a quarter of a century except that now, now, uh, there's been a lot more blood under the bridge thinking of Benazir Bhutto and, and, uh, 
what I would call a developing tragic sense. I wonder if Hillary has a tragic sense. It is my impression that, yes, she does. I could be wrong. I got out some other films so that I wouldn't watch anything as god-awful as the one about Idi Amin again. My recommendations for uh, movies during elections are, first of all, Primary Colors. That's the one where Emma Thompson plays Hillary Clinton. <laughs> John Travolta plays Bill Clinton. Primary Colors is a terrific picture. It's written by Elaine May, and uh, it's definitely, it's definitely like old Hollywood, yes. Uh, just uh, not, well, yes, it's a Capra-esque. Primary Colors is the one about the 1992 election in which uh, Bill Clinton and Hillary <laughs> get into so much trouble. Uh, it's a great picture. Um, it's from Joe Klein's book, Primary Colors. The most fun, the most lighthearted uh, movie is the one by Warren Beatty called Bullworth. That's the one, if you have a group of friends over, I think you should try to watch Bullworth. That's the one in which Warren Beatty plays a senator who is so fed up with the system that he decides it's time to check out. He decides to commit suicide and he wants to be able to leave some insurance for his daughter. So uh, he puts out a contract on himself and then changes his mind. Anyway, during the period of time uh, between... Uh, the time he makes the decision and the time he's going to be killed, he decides to tell the truth. Great balls of fire. I love that movie, Bullworth, especially the bit with the homeless poet played by Amiri Baraka. Remember Leroy Jones? He has a small part, plays a homeless poet wandering around, and he keeps telling Bullworth, the politician, that you can't be a ghost. You've got to be a spirit. He says, a spirit will descend in song. That's it, folks. It's the music. We've got to get the music going, yes. Someone said the other day that the left was still singing to the choir, and I said, yeah, that's where the music is. Anyway, uh, Hillary did get her feelings hurt, and uh, Elizabeth Colbert wrote a, an exhaustive article called The Lady Vanishes, which you can find in The New Yorker. The New Yorker.com, I'm sure, has it. Uh, I think, I think it's worth looking at. It's, uh, it's exhaustive. It lists, I think, uh, what is it, six, seven, nine books. Uh, <laughs> A Woman in Charge by Carl Bernstein is the one that looks the most useful on uh, Donnie Radcliffe's Hillary Rodham Clinton, a first lady for our time. Gail Sheehy's Hillary's Choice, I kind of liked. Uh, truth is, I didn't finish most of them, let's face it. Uh, <laughs> almost every biography uh, goes through her middle class background, you know, uh, raised in Park Ridge, Illinois, and, you know, she's a recovering Republican. She did a stint as a little Goldwater Republican in high school. And then off she went, um, you know, to Wellesley, and she wore that wonderful headband and the bell-bottom 
pants and the thick glasses and then the year at Yale Law School and most of her women friends were horrified when she went off to Arkansas with Bill for 17 years. Uh, and, uh, of course, her life has been a series of excruciating humiliations. Uh, <laughs> yes, saving Clinton from Jennifer Flowers and the rest. My favorite joke is on the uh, television show The Sopranos where the mafia wives sit around over lunch talking about Hillary Clinton pointing out that uh, she'd made an omelet from the broken eggs and that she was an example to all of them. Yes, how to keep it together when it's really falling apart. Uh, her spectacular recoveries. Let's see if she can pull it off again, folks. Uh, anyway, um Let's see. I would like to read you just a little bit of what Elizabeth Colbert has to say because I think that Elizabeth, she she says all of the things she's supposed to say to critique Hillary, but I think she likes her, let's face it. Um, the author, Elizabeth Colbert, writes, I covered Mrs. Clinton sporadically from the day she began her first campaign for the Senate on Daniel Patrick Moynihan's farm. I covered it through her early years in office. In that period, I saw her in dozens of settings, nodding attentively during her listening tour, chatting with aides, signing books, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I interviewed her a few times. When the subject was policy, she was always smart and engaged. When the topic was personal, it was like talking to someone through several layers of plexiglass. Of course, I was trying to get at the real Hillary. In the interest of full disclosure, I never even came close. History is full of politicians who have sacrificed other people to their ambitions. A willingness to do so might even be called a precondition of power. Hillary Clinton is unusual in that she seems, above all, to have sacrificed herself. Whether you follow her around for months or just read a book about her, you can't help admiring her extraordinary discipline. When her husband was accused of creating a slush fund to manage his extramarital affairs, she organized a legal team to protect him. That's the kind of person she is. <laughs> Carl Bernstein uh, reports in his book, A Woman in Charge, that in 1990, that team, the legal team to protect Bill from uh, the uh, <laughs> publicity of these extramarital affairs, right, uh, this team interviewed five women, in one case with Hillary in the room, to obtain statements from them that they had never had sex with Bill. In January 2000, I accompanied Clinton on a campaign swing through western New York. The first morning began with what was expected to be a friendly radio interview. Instead, the host asked Clinton whether she had ever slipped, slept, slept with Vince Foster. No matter what else she did or said that day, it was clear that this story was going to dominate the news cycle. Her press secretary looked as if he wanted to vomit. 
Hillary Clinton managed to smile and shake hands through the next ten hours of campaign events as if the whole incident had never happened. As soon as Clinton indicated that she was going to run for president, it was inevitable that books like Carl Bernstein's and the others would appear. It was also inevitable that whether or not anything truly new was revealed, other journalists would use these volumes as an excuse to trot out their own favorite Clinton stories, you know. The billing records, her name changes, the extravaganzas on the Moynihan farm. Uh, oh, and have I mentioned the bit about I've always been a Yankees fan? Yes. Okay. Um, so many of the books... Uh, well, it's hard to say. Uh, I think that uh, the Clintons themselves uh, have been less than responsive. Um, the senator's press secretary, Philip Reins, R-E-I-N-E-S, told the Washington Post, is it possible to quote someone yawning? Uh, they're tired of reading about themselves. Um Elizabeth Colbert goes on to say, perhaps Hillary Clinton is at this point hardened enough to be bored by the efforts of Bernstein and the rest. Or perhaps she is pained by them. It would be interesting to know what she really feels. It is possible to argue that such information is relevant to the electorate. How a chief executive regards his or her mistakes is, after all, a matter of importance. Parenthesis. C. President George W. Bush. End parenthesis. But, as Carl Bernstein's book, A Woman in Charge, ah, uh, and the other books make clear. This is precisely the sort of question about Hillary Clinton which cannot, cannot be answered. Uh. <laughs> anyway, this woman's hairstyles alone have probably generated more headlines than most congressmen. Uh, I was thinking the other day, I sent a note off to Hillary years ago. Uh, asking for some information. She sent it back to me by return mail with a uh, polite note, handwritten at the bottom, saying she was grateful to know she had so many friends in California. Uh, and I thought at the time that she was the most disciplined uh, politician I had ever run across. It's strange how she could be so, so terribly efficient, uh, and at the same time, uh, so misunderstood. It's, uh, it's disastrous. The, um, uh, the books that I have read, the nasty books, uh, I don't see how anybody could take them seriously, but obviously, in our culture, people, People always find what they want. They find the things they need. Uh, there's a little book called The Hillary Clinton Voodoo Kit. Stick it to her before she sticks it to you. If you want to loathe Hillary Clinton, 
Believe me, there's plenty of material. If you want to think that uh, she's a good citizen, a terrific mom, and uh, a public servant in a category with Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, you can believe that as well. Uh, in any case, this has been Jennifer Stone. I'll be back on the air Thursday morning at 8.20. Till then, check out Elizabeth Colbert's article, The Lady Vanishes. You can find it in The New Yorker for June 11 and 18, 2007, by Elizabeth Colbert. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. From the ones who walk in light Light them up, boys There's your picture Drop the shadows Out of Just returned from a fact-gathering mission in Iran, former UN weapons inspector Scott Ritter and his delegation will lead the Iran Talks, a series of public forums on U.S. foreign policy. Ritter and Jeff Cohen, the founder of Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, will speak at the Mount Diablo Unitarian Universalist Church, 55 Eckley Lane in Walnut Creek, on Tuesday evening, January 15th at 7.30 p.m. Wheelchair accessible. For full information, please check the KPFA website or phone 925-933-7850. Again, 925-933-7850.